Overtime Hockey Talk. My name is Mark Paul, joined in studio by my co-host Justin Baker, as usual, and Luke Paul, my brother and future host of Overtime Leafs Talk as we begin to roll out some exciting new things here on Overtime Hockey Talk. Today on the show, we are going to break down the entire Toronto Maple Leafs Columbus Blue Jackets series, the 8-9. For these two 8-9s, we're going to do separate shows because I think these these are the magical series of the first round. I mean, there are no tighter series than Leafs, Blue Jackets, and then in the Western Conference with the Jets and the Flames. Uh, So we figured we'd take some extra time to dive into these series. That's why we've got a guest Luke for this this one, and then uh, we also have a guest for uh, for our Flames Jets one as well. So stay tuned for that. Uh, but to start off the show, I think as as we've done previously, we've broken down everything from uh, you know offensively, defensively, and from the goaltending position. Uh, before we do that, I just want to get your take, both of you, on the like. The Columbus Blue Jackets were a team that really struggled. They had a lot of injuries. Here they find themselves. They're in the playoffs, and they are probably underranked. Uh, maybe same with the Leafs a little bit, as they, you know, maybe were in the beginning of the year should have been a little bit better than what they were in the regular season. Uh, so these are really two powerhouse teams going at it. Where do you think the Columbus Blue Jackets fully healthy? Should should have found themselves in the standings coming into these playoffs. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I think that they honestly probably could have been up, um, kind of in that six seven region. Um, they they started off. I think they started off pretty slow, and and as they um, got some of their guys back, they were yeah. I think in the end just a powerhouse coming, coming into the end of the regular season. Um, so that's kind of where I, I put them. Yeah. I think when you, when you look at Columbus, uh, I mean, we know what Toronto is. We, we knew what we were going to get out of them this season. I think you expected them to compete for a top three spot in that division. But with Columbus, it was different because you're losing so much superstar power. And this is a team that traditionally hasn't had superstars, right? So you're losing a Matt Duchesne. You're losing Sergei Bobrovsky and Artemi Panarin. So you lose these elements that basically, I mean, you're losing an entire first line essentially from this team. And now you have to come in and thank goodness they got John Tortorella behind the bench to, to me, to me is, you know, going to be one of those Jack Adam candidates and he manages to put together a team that still plays tight defensively and competes for a spot. You know, even with all the injuries to guys like Seth Jones, um, they still manage to to churn out the wins. And, you know, they get it done by committee, which is just really impressive in my mind. And so coming in, you know, at number nine in this new seating is, you know, maybe a little, you know, hidden, cloaked because they should be, you know, they, they could be a better team than that. Not to mention the fact that, hey, just a year ago, this is a team that took down the winningest regular season team of all time. Yeah, right, right up there with the Red Wings, for Tied sure. Tied with the Wings, yeah. 62 wins. And they, they go, and not only did they beat them, I mean, you know, it's it's one thing, you know, we look back in 2004 when the uh, when the Oilers beat the Red Wings, a, an eight seed beating Don't the remind one me. seed. <laughs> I, I know, I know, it, it hurts, it stings. I We can talk 2013 sometime. Uh, Ooh, okay. 
the the difference is that series Edmonton goes they win in seven games it was a tight series the whole time there was a couple x factors in that one and you look back and you go the wings didn't necessarily play terrible it's just the Oilers they they found a way they dug in they went they won Dwayne Rollison in that series was crazy Dude, he and Chris Pronger sometimes you get guys yeah. that step up and yep they do it yeah whereas that it was it was just total Columbus Blue it was like the Tampa Bay Lightning forgot how to play hockey it was a very weird turn of events uh, where they just the wheels all fell off all at once in a four game sweepage. Uh, this series, though, I th- I think is is going to be incredibly underrated. It's really two teams that are very different. I mean, you said it: the Blue Jackets score by committee. There's not a lot of scoring going on. They have one of the worst shooting percentages in the entire league. Uh, the only playoff team with a worse shooting percentage is the Dallas Stars uh, in terms of playoff teams, but 20, ranked 28th in shooting percentage for uh, the Columbus Blue Jackets. So not, I mean, they're not loaded with snipers and guys that are going to really scare you from the offensive point of view outside of maybe like a Cam Atkinson. Uh, but then you look, the Leafs, 27th in save percentage. That 901 save percentage for their their team as a whole. Granted, does uh, the backup goaltending position, does Michael Hutchinson bring that save percentage down quite a bit? Yes, uh, but the Blue Jackets sitting at a 916 save percentage, seventh in the league. And so you've got this team who can shoot the lights out, but struggles maybe in the defensive zone, and then the quite the opposite for the, for the Blue Jackets. And I'm wondering, coming out of the gate, where, you know, is it easier for a team like the Leafs to be creative, have their offensive side of the game going, and not worry so much about the defensive side? Whereas Columbus, maybe because defense takes more of a team effort, you know, you're coming off a lot of rust. Can they pick it up where they need to and be able to dive right into the series and, and play that tight defense that they're going to need to do? I think off the get-go, we're going to see a lot of goals scored. Uh, I think for both teams, but... I think probably just in the playoffs in general. But, yeah, It'll be like the regular yeah. season where it's just crazy scoring right off the bat because nobody can figure their life out defensively. <laughs> Everybody's yeah. fresh, excited, ready to go back on the ice. <laughs> yeah, um, but just with Toronto's scoring power, I mean, I think that that's going to be a challenge for Columbus. Um, <clears throat> I mean, they already have 50 goals more than... Uh, more than Columbus, and uh, I think we're going to see just some adjustments. Well, <laughs> everything is going to be an adjustment, right? Because we're starting off basically fresh, and so I think we're going to come in. We're going to see Toronto come off strong in Game One, and uh, quickly, I think Columbus is going to be able to uh, correct their defense, as um, Tortorella always does. So um, I'm excited to see that. Yeah, I I mean, look, we talked about it. They're two total opposite teams, right? Toronto's third best in the league at goals for, and Columbus is third best in goals against. And then you look right at, when you take a look a little bit deeper into special teams, right? Obviously, you got a top 10 team in Toronto in terms of power play, and then a top 10 team in Columbus at penalty kill. So who's who's defense? Actually, Columbus 12. I'm sorry. Yeah, okay. Yeah, thank you. But still, 
Thanks who, for correcting me, <laughs> asshole. <laughs> <laughs> but who's like whose style of play is going to show up more? You know, uh, obviously we know Toronto's got plenty of superstar talent up front to score, but they lack you know on defense. Whereas Columbus, just the opposite, they've got superstars back on D with Seth, Seth Jones and Warinsky, guys who can get it done, but don't really have it up front. So which style of play is really going to dominate in this series? And that to me is what makes this series so intriguing because you got two good coaches, guys that are really going to, you know, push it at each end. So I'm just, I'm really looking forward to this one. Yeah. I, you know, in terms of special teams, it's going to be, it's going to be interesting. There's, there's a few stats that I think are worth looking at that paint a pretty good picture of what this series could look like. So you, you pointed out the Leafs sixth ranked power play, 23% 23% on the power play, which which honestly, I think there's some people that think that that might be low for the amount of talent that happens to be on their power play uh, is pretty absurd. Uh, yeah, if you compare it to Edmonton, who has two superstars, sure, but yeah, they're the, 29%. The Leafs, the Leafs basically have have four. Yeah, they, I mean, <laughs> yeah, ex- exactly. They have much more forward superstar power up front. And for some reason, that just doesn't always seem to matter. I, you know, sometimes it's, you've got you know who's going to shoot the puck, and that's what you want on your power play. And then other times, you know, you want some, you want a bunch of guys who can shoot the puck. It's kind of right, like Washington, who has one guy that they always try to seem to go to, yep. and it works yep. every time. And uh, yeah, Washington's Washington's power play this last year hasn't uh, hasn't exactly broken the bank, right? Not as lethal. Yeah, good point. Maybe uh, they seven, do need to go seventeenth to Toronto there and right. sort of start spreading the wealth. Uh, I would say, like Columbus's power play is quite bad. Uh, it's at 16.4%. They're the only playoff team with a worse power play is the Chicago Blackhawks. And I don't know if that's a team that you're really honing in on as a real playoff team. Uh, but hey, they're, they're in the pl- preliminary playoffs. Uh, but whereas the penalty kills, the Blue Jackets at 81%, the Leafs at 77%, uh, 12th and 21st ranked. So though they're not as far apart on the penalty killing side. Uh, The interesting thing to look at is the power play opportunities against the blue jackets are what I would say first in the league because they have the lowest amount of power play opportunities against at 169 opportunities. Uh, So really, I mean, they're, they're only giving up less than three power plays a game for this team. So not only do they play really well defensively, but they do not make many mistakes. They're not taking a lot of power. They're not taking a lot of penalties, and obviously, when they do, <laughs> there's uh, maybe some retaliation. They're not they're not giving up a lot of power plays, uh, and then for power play opportunities, for I mean, the Leafs are 23rd, the Blue Jackets are 28th. So, I think this series is bound to be, and I think we saw it in the games when they played each other, a lot of five on five play. There are some series where you figure in there's going to be five or six power plays a team. And like if it's when it's Colorado, you just know they're they're going to draw penalties. They they have they lead the league in power play opportunities. I mean, they've they've got 60 more power play opportunities than the Blue Jackets. They just they're drawing an extra penalty a game, which can, you know, if you're scoring at 25 percent every four games, you're scoring an extra goal. That can that could be the difference in a series if you're scoring that way. So uh, I I think this series is bound to be heavy on the five-on-five play. Who in the five-on-five play, uh, if if we just say special teams is likely going to be 
a, a wash in this series. Five on five, who are you looking at to make a big difference in this series? Oh, I think easily it's Toronto's the the team where you have to to focus in on say they could be the difference makers. Um, just one because when you look at depth up front, right? We, I mean, each series we've taken a look at in terms of you know their depth and forward defense and goaltending position. But to me, when you look at Toronto's depth and the forward position, that's where I think the difference is going to be because you know you can throw Seth Jones and Zach Wierenski out there all you want as a pair, but eventually you're going to have five on five play against that second and third pairing for you know, Columbus's D and, you know, Ryan Murray, while he's, he's fine defensively, you know, we don't know if he's going to stay healthy the whole entire series, even though it is only five games. And, you know, we don't know what the rest of that D's decor can do for Columbus when they have to face the speed and offensive prowess. That is the Toronto Maple Leafs forward group. And so if you got a guy like William Nylander on that third line, he could go out and destroy some of those defenses very easily on five on five play. Yeah. I think on even the back end of, uh, sorry, of those forward lines. So um, the fourth line, I think that Toronto actually has some good pieces there, especially uh, with Jason Spezza being there, it being his his last year uh, before UFA again. Um, I think that he really wants to win a Stanley Cup with Toronto. So I think you're going to see him step up. And guys like Frederick Gauthier, uh, he has been you know, playing into his role all year. Uh, and I think we're going to see more of that. Yeah, they're, I mean, five on five, the Leafs are just dominant. They're, they're so good. I mean, it, when you look at their, like their possession stats, the Leafs are sixth best in terms of Corsi, four percentage, 52.1. Uh, whereas the Blue Jackets, 49.1, which, which is a, I mean, the Leafs have control of the puck the majority of the time and the Blue Jackets do not. And, and that's frankly, that's just kind of the way that they play anyways. I mean, they're definitely not trying to play a, a steep defensive game. They, when the Blue Jackets move the puck, they're looking to make very few cross ice passes. I mean, this is the league, league as a whole, but I think the Blue Jackets really hone in on this. I, I'll never forget when uh, Tortorella was asked, well, how did your team play tonight? And he said, well, we only had two cross ice passes in the defensive zone all night. So that's how we know we played well. Uh, you know that it's their focus. They do not want their defensemen passing it to each other. <laughs> they want to move the puck up the ice, which says get the puck out of the zone. They don't mind dumping it in. They are definitely going to, you know, they're definitely more hard-nosed than the Leafs. I think that that's, if we look at one area where the Blue Jackets are going to probably hammer on, it's going to be let's put the body on Marner and Matthew, you know, if you can catch them. Uh, I don't think Tavares has has as much of a problem getting getting bumped. Like he's a guy who you're you're happy to put in front of the net. He'll he'll take punishment. Uh, Matthews Marner, they're not guys that are really going to be in in the corners, driving, digging for the puck the way that the Blue Jackets will definitely want to. So I think that that's pro- that's got to be your focus is how can we bang up these guys? Like let's run them. I mean, is there really any other way that you're going to be able to probably probably win is to throw the body on them, slow them down quite a bit and see what you can do. I don't know if at this point of the season that's going to work because the season's starting. Everyone's fresh. You're not going to catch guys 82 games in one one extra hit and they're kind of bruised beyond where they're going to be any good. 
Yeah, I mean, if you that's I mean, that's part of the reason why the the playoffs have always been called, you know, referred to as such a grind, right? You I mean, you come in off a, a full 82 game regular season, you're tired, you're maybe a little bit, you know, not as rested and here, you got guys that are getting 90-day breaks now, coming in fresh, you know, they've they've had plenty of rest. There's no grind in that that you know, that qualifying round series, you know, of 5 and so are you going to be able to grind it out early? Are you going to be able to put the body on them? Or does that not even really matter at this point? Well, and we also have to remember there's not going to be fans in the stands. Um, and that's a, that's a big driver for a lot of these players. Um, so, you know, they come, they're coming in off of a, a 90 break, 90 day break or, or whatever number of days that is. But uh, some of them, I think we're going to see that, a little bit slower hockey in the beginning, a little bit sloppy, right? So there's going to be some mistakes. Sloppy. There. I don't know if slow. Right. I, I, I would agree. Sloppy. I, I, I'm, I'm there with you. I mean, it, Cause guys, we don't, we don't know what their, their training has looked like over the summer. I, I know just from reading and listening that, uh, from other players, you know, it's, it's not, it hasn't been uh, a very strict regimen because it's the unknown, right? They don't know when they're coming back. And so uh, I think they're going to come into this. Yes. Yeah, sloppy for sure. Uh, and I think that depending on the player, depending on where they get their motivation from, which some get it from fans being in the stands screaming and throwing stuff on the on the ice. And uh, I think if that I don't get maybe, an octopus on the ice, <laughs> I'm yeah, garbage. <laughs> but yeah, I can't yeah. play. <laughs> yeah, I, I definitely would say sloppy is for sure. Now, I mean, they we're already in phase two right now. You know, we're getting groups of six, I believe it is, now back onto the ice training together. And so, you know, a team like Toronto, for example, for me is where I think this kind of thing is really going to come into play because you got guys healthy back that maybe all year long haven't been able to put together these lines, right? Obviously, we know guys like Tavares, Marner, Nylander, and, and Matthews, you've maybe been pairing, you know, two of these guys together. But I think now with a fully healthy Toronto team, you're going to get these groups of six on the ice where you can say, okay, this is the line we're going in with. This is, you know, you guys can practice together now. And I think there's going to be maybe a little less, a little less sloppy than we think, but I still think there's going to be, you know, some sloppiness in terms of just, you know, I mean, you're trying to get back up to game speed and, you know, regardless, I think, you know, there's still going to be a bit of a curve there for the first couple games, no matter who, what team you are. But in terms of speed, I mean, most of these guys are training, you know, a little bit anyways right now. And I, I mean, we, we watch it every regular season. There's, there's not that much of a drop off. Yeah, yeah. I I guess the the thing I'm looking at when it comes to the Leafs, um I know I know the Blue Jackets, of course there there's been some guys who have been I mean like Bjorkstrand only played 49 games, Wierenski played 63 out of the 70, Jones played 56 games, Adkinson only played 44. So, you've got some pretty significant players on this team who really they they weren't able to play. I mean, Ryan Murray only played 27 games. Uh there's there's some significant players who can now come back, be healthy. This Blue Jackets team, I mean, there were people that had this team winning the division. You know, coming off that sweep of the Lightning, people were pretty hot on them. Uh granted they lost quite a bit. Of course they lose, you know, some of their studs, but I mean, I, I think that people still looked at the coaching and the way that they played and knew that in the regular season they could they likely be a playoff team. I think without the injuries, they probably are competing for that top wild card bottom spot in the Metro. Uh, so, you know, th- this is a good team. This is not a, a slouch team that got in here. The one area, though, for the Leafs, 
they're in a pretty similar situation. I mean, you think Tavares, he missed almost 10 games when he went down. Marner, he he missed some games. I mean, he missed 11 games. Uh, Hyman missed 19 games. Morgan Riley missed 13 game, or, uh, 23 games. And then you've got a couple wild cards here that I, oh, oh, by the way, Muzzin missed 17 games. Janssen missed 27 games. Like these are some key guys for this team that all missed games. Dermott didn't start the season with the team either. He only played 56. Ilya Mikhaev in 39 games had 23 points and he gets hurt. Now you get him back. That's a guy who's putting up, you know, a point every, more than a point every other game. Not to mention the fact that they now have brought in Nate Robertson, who scored 55 goals in uh, in the OHL, coming in, and he's gonna. He, there's a chance they're saying that uh, because there is a chance that Andreas Janssen might not be ready to come back in time, that he might actually take a top six spot in this, on this team, and wow. and he has been lauded as like he's going to be. I mean, he's a smaller a small winger. Uh, you know, I I think there's a chance that I mean he's going to get the opportunity in training camp to uh, to be high up on this roster, and it might be one of the things that we're not considering is hey who who's going to come up for these teams that are now eligible to come up be on the roster where they would come you know probably next year because they were talking about Nate Robertson coming up next season and that he would like you know he'd give, be given every opportunity to make the team and. You know, here we are. Maybe he has the opportunity to make this team. I I think of him a little bit like um, on the Chicago Blackhawks, Alex DeBrinket, speedy winger, taken in the second round, a guy who just scores goals. And I I mean, I think obviously if you if if he turns out to be an Alex DeBrinket, the I mean that's uh, that's just a, a ridiculous amount of riches for a team with already tons of goal scorers. But uh, I think there's a chance he comes in. If, if he becomes a guy who is a potential 20 goal scorer over the course of 82 games, he's, he comes into the playoffs and he's able to make an impact. That's another top six winger that the Leafs already have probably six or seven top six wingers already. I just don't know if this Blue Jackets team in a in a five-game series, even a five-game series, is, is going to be able to, to handle what they can throw at them because of the lack of training in the beginning, like coming from the regular season, going into the playoffs. I think you've got everything together. Now this team has to figure it out from the, from scratch. The Leafs, a much more offensive team, much more creative. They don't need the system the way the blue jackets do. And I think that's a huge advantage. Yeah. I, you know, you talk about like Eli Mikhaev, right? And I don't, I don't mean to really like look forward too much, but guys like that are coming in and trying to prove that they deserve to stay in a top six long term, so that management maybe has a little flexibility, you know, in the future to say, okay, well, look, you look on that back end for for Toronto, right? And you got guys like Cody Cece, um, you know, Tyson Berry, who are all going to be UFAs, and now you give. If you have a bunch of riches up front, now you give management a little bit more flexibility to say, hey, you know, maybe we we can move one of these guys out to bring in a top four D, you know, that maybe we end up missing next year if things don't really go as panned in the playoffs. But, yeah. you know, again, I, I think there's opportunities here for guys on the Leafs to really, you know, really make an impact and make it quick. And, you know, like you talked about, both teams have a lot of injuries going on. So, um, you know, when you haven't been able to play all year long, you know, with 
your solid three guys on this line, your solid three guys on this line, you know, whatever it may be, whatever your combinations are. I think for a team like Toronto, like you talked about, that doesn't need that structure as much. They know what they get out of their four big forward superstars, right? They know what they're going to have on the ice every single night. And so if you have to mix and match, it's not that big of an impact. But with a team like Columbus, when you have to say, okay, shoot, well, do we put Nyquist up with, you know, Pierre-Luc Dubois, or do we maybe move Boone Jenner up there off center and put him on the wing? You know, what do we do? What combinations can we put together to maybe create a little bit more offensive impact that's going to change our focus from, you know, playing team defense to trying to score some goals because we can't keep up with Toronto anymore. So that to me is going to be the bigger question mark more than maybe anything else and even more than maybe what you might see in in goal for Columbus. Yeah. Yeah. Let's talk about in goal for Columbus. I think that's a great transition uh, because that might be, I, I, I mean, I don't know if we're, if we're questioning who is in net for them, but I, I, my guess is that we're going Merlickens, but uh, we've got Jonas Corposalo, Elvis Merlickens, both of them. I mean, they both started 31 and 35 games. Uh, Mers Lickens obviously had a little bit better of a, of a regular season who, but I mean this, I think this is going to be a battle. I mean, training camp, you're going to be looking at both these guys because you don't know what's happened over these last few months. You just never know. I mean, a guy comes in super cold and you got to go with, with a different guy. Uh, who do you think takes the starting role? Uh, does it matter to you? <laughs> does it matter? I mean, obviously we know the Leafs are going Frederick Anderson all the way. Jack Campbell is solid, but he's not going to get the chance over Anderson at this point. Listen, I said pre pre recording Jack Campbell all the way, just throw him in. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think uh Merzlikin's going to definitely start for Columbus. Uh, Corpusalo, he's, you know, he's a good second, but I think at, at the end of the day, Merzlikins will be seeing him in the net starting this series. Yeah. I, you know, if you had said like most teams, right, you always ride the hot hand. And I think with a team like Columbus, where you don't have a defined starter, a, a clear number one and a number two, where this is more a one, a one B situation again, had you gone in the regular season straight to playoffs and clearly I would have said, okay, Merzlikins all the way, but Neither one of these guys have playoff experience. Neither one of these guys really have shown that they can, you know, be a, a number one come playoff time. So, you know, to me, it's a question mark of who's better when you get back to training, right? Before you start this qualifying round, who's who's looking better on the ice? Who maybe is, you know, again, we don't know the injuries because both these guys are healthy, but, you know, maybe one guy is still dealing with maybe something, something's nagging that maybe he didn't was, wasn't training, you know, during this big layoff here. Um, who knows what's going to happen? But to me, this is a big wild card. And honestly, you could flip a coin and I'll take either one of these guys if I'm Columbus. I mean, here's the tough, like Merz Lickens is a streaky goaltender. To start the season, his first eight starts. I know that not like it was eight starts in a row. First eight starts. Oh, I'm sorry. First uh, ten starts, he loses. Then he goes and he wins. Oh gosh, out out of his out of uh, fifteen thirteen games, fourteen games, he lost two. So I mean, he wins twelve of fourteen games, and then he loses seven in a row. And then he he you know he won his last two. We don't know where that would have gone. Uh, but a guy who, at two different points in this season, lost seven and ten games straight. Yeah, that's that can be scary, especially if you're like you're looking for a little stability. A guy that because what streak are you going to get come these five games, right? Sure. And uh, yeah, and you just don't know. Uh, I'd say when it comes to the Leafs and Frederick Anderson, this is this is his worst se- worst regular season in terms of goaltender statistics. Now, win. I mean, he was twenty nine and thirteen. 
not not too bad. Uh, he had a, he won when he was in net. He he was solid. I mean, worst save percentage by far. I mean, nine oh nine. It's the first time he was ever below nine fourteen. Uh, and he was nine fourteen was his second year in the league. I mean, the last three years with Toronto, he's been in a nine seventeen, a nine eighteen, and a nine eighteen. He's been very solid. Uh, goals against average. I mean, it's his worst of his career by by a fair margin. Uh, his his quality starts were down. His goal uh, goal saved above average for the first time since 2014-15. He was actually under average. Now we have to figure out what Frederick Anderson are we going to get here too. I mean, he tends to have this uh, like a history of having some slow starts in the beginning of the regular season. Uh, this year he kind of shook it, but he still he wasn't incredible early on. But I think it's that's that's going to be the biggest question is I mean if the Leafs get above average goaltending from Frederick Anderson like if they get the goaltending that we're used to seeing from him when he's playing really consistent and he's at his 918 save percentage where he's been most of his career I don't think there's any way that the Leafs lose this series <laughs> I just don't I don't see it happening but if they can catch if they come in and Frederick Anderson struggles I. I know you're joking about Fred Campbell, but or uh, Jack Campbell, Fred Campbell. Uh, <laughs> but I, I, I don't think that it's out of the realm of possibility that Jack Campbell does get the opportunity if Anderson can't come right in and play the way that he he should. Yeah, I mean, let's face it. I, I think this Toronto team is going to be excited not to have to play Boston come first round for and once. And then they got to play him again in the actual <laughs> first round. Oh, no, no, not necessarily. We don't know. Not necessarily. We don't know. Yeah, that's uh, it it yeah. could be Tampa Bay instead. Sure. It abs- <laughs> well, so, okay, here's another question, too, and why, why you talk about Tampa Bay. If you're Toronto, are you more excited to see Columbus than you would have been to see Tampa Bay? Because that's who they were matching up against, probably for first round a matchup. Right. It was Tampa right. Bay. So. Oh, I, I definitely think that you, I mean, it, you definitely want to play the Columbus Blue Jackets over I, the absolutely. Tampa Bay Lightning, yeah. and I, I think I think a guy like Freddie Anderson is going to be excited not to have to worry about that Boston Bruin team, and so um, I think this Toronto team as a whole is going to be excited not to have to see that Boston Bruins team, and so I think they're going to want to take advantage of this opportunity to squeeze past the first round finally after a couple of years here, and um, I just think they're after a couple years. Yeah, well, the after, last time they squeezed. Squeezed past the first round. I was in high school. Stop it. Stop it. Okay. Yeah. But I mean, people are like, oh, the Red Wings haven't won the cup since 2008. It's such a long time. I know. And I, in that amount of time, I have seen the Leafs make the playoffs four times. I'm sorry. That's, yeah. Since my senior year of high school, 2004, they made the playoffs four times. Yeah. It's been a sad road for sure. But, Things are on the up and up. I I I, I think this this series. Well, I do think that the Blue Jack. I don't think this is going to be a rollover series. I, I think that this this series could go five games, uh, but I do think that ultimately the Leafs are poised to do something pretty special here. I mean, I, at least in this round, uh, depending on who they pull in the in the next round, it'll be it'll be interesting. I mean, Tampa Bay, I think, is going to be up. They definitely are coming in here with a chip on their shoulder. It's going to be hard to beat the Tampa Bay Lightning, especially the way that they tend to come out of the gate. It's uh, you know we all we all know what uh, what they can do early on when they get hot. So that'll be interesting. I think that the Bruins, 
I'm not as scared of the Bruins now as I maybe would be coming straight out of the regular season. But no, I'm with you. I think I think the Bruins are overrated. I mean, don't get me wrong. You win the President's Trophy. That's great. Tip of the cap to you. But I mean, let's be honest. Until you know, recently, I mean, we haven't really seen too many President's Trophy winners win the actual cup. So yeah, that doesn't really mean a whole lot come playoff time, and especially this kind of playoffs where you have such a big layoff. I any momentum you had is is gone, and so I think now you kind of look at it more or less as the pressure that you get as a franchise, right? Columbus, no pressure at all in these qualifying rounds or playoffs in general to win anything. They came in last year, they did great, but when you lose the the amount of superstars they did, I think they're just happy to get in as a franchise. And for Toronto, I think it's just the opposite where you have to take an opportunity like this and really succeed and maybe get a little deeper. You don't necessarily have to win the Eastern Conference Finals, but I think they do have to maybe go a round or two to really say, okay, we're making progress. We're getting there. Yeah, you. it would be almost, it would be a step back if you don't win this round. Absolutely. Because, well, I mean, you're technically not in the real, you're not in the team of, the 16-team playoff. Yeah. Uh, well, on the Columbus side, you know, last year there was a big pressure on winning the first round, right? And uh, You're right, because they made and, all those deals. And so I think there still is pressure to win this first series because, uh you know, from a financial standpoint, I'm sure the team is like, yeah, we want another round of playoffs, especially, you know, in light of everything that's happened. But uh, also for the fans to believe in this team, I think there's certainly a lot of pressure to uh, to win against well, Toronto. You could say from a Columbus standpoint, sure, there's pressure to win because you want to start attracting free agents to come here. You want to start attracting more talent to come back because you lost all that talent. And so you have the you have a good coach. You now have, you know, what looks like you could have a decent goaltending duel, you know, up front or back in the net. And a so, duel? They're going to have a duel? <laughs> they're going to have a duel, yes. A duo. Uh, so, yeah, you want to attract more free agent talent up front for this team. And so, yeah, that would be the only pressure I could see is, like, we win because we have cap space now to spend so we could go out and get some free agents or maybe make a trade and guys that maybe are willing to waive no trade clause, you know, to come here. So... Other than that, to me, I, I just don't see any pressure for Columbus at all. I think it'd be a step back for Columbus to lose this, just from a fan standpoint. Yeah, well, and, and, and Tortorella, obviously, I think you, you're looking at him. You you mm. know that he's he's not going to get fired if he loses this series, but losing eventually results in getting fired, right? Like, you, oh, sure. you've got to win. You Yeah, you won a series. Great. You've won one series. Now you got to win another one. And it's going to... Like you want to see progress, you don't want to see them go backwards. I know from a from a player management standpoint, this team has taken a step backwards, anyways, because of who they lost. But that doesn't always matter. <laughs> you you know you also want to see guys like I mean we need to see Seth Jones uh, in this type of situation take over. You want to see your first your third overall pick Pierre Luc Dubois be able to compete against the likes of Austin Matthews, Mitch Marner, John Tavares. Like this is your guy. He's your number one. He's on your top line. Well, sure. He needs to be able to perform next to those guys. Remember, I mean, this team is coming in with two 20 goal scorers. One of them, a defenseman, right? (laughs) Uh, The other one, Oliver Bjorkstrand, who actually had 21 goals in 49 games. Uh, He was well on his way to, uh, to a 30 goal season. Uh, and I know other guys would have probably likely ended up with 20 goals, but there just isn't a whole lot to be afraid of from a goals uh, a goal scoring perspective. And holy mackerel! And then you look at the, 
I mean, in 70 games, 47 goals for Matthews, 31 for Nylander, 26 for Tavares. I, Hyman had 21 in 51 games. He He's really gotten his scoring touch back over the last two years. I, I, I think in terms of goal scoring, it's going to be really difficult for this Columbus team to deal with what the Leafs can throw at them because they have so many shooters. I, I think maybe the, the difference between the Leafs and the Lightning are the Leafs kind of have this different different ability to uh, to score from different areas of the ice where they don't, like sometimes you have to create your space and, and so the Lightning are actually pretty good at that. They're good at cycling the puck down low and they can, you know, they, they create a lot of activity in and around the net. Whereas the Leafs have a lot of shooters, a lot of, I know that I know the lightning have, have Stamkos who can definitely shoot the puck. Uh, the Leafs just have this different ability to score from other places on the ice where even though they, they aren't going to necessarily push you out of the way, they just find a way to change the angle on the puck and score from, from different areas. They don't need to be in the slot shooting with, you know, point blank on a goaltender to be able to score uh, the way that they're able to to kind of change their angles. So I I think the Leafs are better matched up against the Blue Jackets than maybe even the Lightning were. And no one's going to catch the Blue Jackets. They're not, you're not going to they're not going to catch you off guard anymore. You know what they are? They're also without Panarin who uh what McKinnon came out and said Artemi Panarin should win the Hart Trophy. He's the league MVP. I said it here too. You Absolutely, did. Absolutely, yeah. You did. And you think now, like imagine losing the league MVP. <laughs> I mean, that's it's devastating. All the the whole series against the Lightning. It's I don't want to say we should throw it out, but there is such a di- it's such a different team. It's coached by the same guy and know they play the same style, but you lose a guy like Panarin, it really becomes a different a different series. And Bobrovsky had a lot of pressure on him to win a series. He had to win a series. And he me he obviously cashed in. <laughs> and then now he's now he's garbage. Uh, well, but, now he's got pressure on him again to win. Yeah, so. yeah. But there was a lot of pressure on the core of that team to do something special. You were saying it, Lilik. They made all those deals. They had to do that. And now there's a lot less pressure. Sometimes that can be good. But I think ultimately it's there's just not enough talent there to beat a team like the Leafs, uh, especially when you know, you're coming off this big long break and it's harder to be good defensively coming right out of the out of the gate. Yeah, so let me ask you then, Luke. I know you again, you talked about pressure for this Columbus team and you know, Mark just mentioned about guys who were UFAs last year that, you know, had to win, had to prove that they could, you know, be successful for this team. And um, you know, you look at a guy like, for example, Pierre Luc Dubois. He's going to be an RFA after this season. You know, if Columbus maybe doesn't have the type of success, you know, maybe he reconsiders signing an eight-year deal and is like, okay, well, shoot, now I'm going to shoot for four or five years so that I can hit UFA on my first, you know, available year when I'm 26 and then piece the F out of here because this is not a, uh, you know, maybe a franchise that, or maybe he takes a look at some offer sheets and says, hey, you know, maybe I go sign with this team instead, you know, consider those. And then, you know, even a couple years down the road, we look at a guy like Seth Jones, right? He is this team's biggest name, best player, hands down, right? Two years from now, UFA. Does he consider not re-upping if yeah, they don't a- show any signs of growth, right? Maybe he just says, okay, well, shoot, this team 
you know, say they go out and get swept by Toronto and look like absolute garbage, right? Can't score. You know, they lose every game five to one, four to one, and they just look like, you know, absolute trash. They, we can't put a goal in the net. And then at that point, if you're Seth Jones, you say, shoot, well, now I'm going to start exploring my options two years from now. Uh, yeah, I, uh, <laughs> I, th- I mean, I think there's some of that going on around, on around in other teams too. Um, and I can't think of, uh, one I'm, one I'm uh, particularly remembering, but I think that there are definitely always that, um, just that feeling in a team of, of like, Hey, we're not doing well. We haven't been doing well for, um, several years or at least making an impact. Um, and yeah, they've got a losing culture there for the most part. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, right. Just like the Cleveland Browns. Recently, <laughs> recently, maybe not. Maybe it's just the, an Ohio thing. I don't maybe. know. <laughs> outside of uh, outside of college football, of course. Right. Uh, well, yeah. You think about the Buffalo Sabers and Jack Eichel, and just I mean, the impact feel worse he's, for anyone. The else? impact oh he's gosh. made on that team has been incredible, and yet the team they're building around him and and um, the coaching staff, like they're just there hasn't been anything. So I think. He, you know, guys like him, guys like Seth Jones, they have the right to go to the team after another bad season to say, uh, I want to be moved. Yeah, wouldn't that be something if after like after they get blown out by Toronto, if that happens, say he comes out and says, well, shoot, I, I hate losing. I hate being here. The culture sucks. Just like Ryan O'Reilly did, go somewhere else and wins the Stanley Cup. Like, <laughs> yeah. How funny would that be? You know, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll put this random thought out there with the Blue Jackets. Uh, Gustav Nyquist, he has... A lot of, pro- I mean, he's got 35 or uh, 55 games of playoff experience. His previous run last year with the San Jose Sharks, he had 11 points in 20 games. And he sneakily, I mean, he's the second highest scoring guy on this team with 42 points in 70 games. He had one of his best seasons of his career. I mean, outside of uh, his his uh, 60 point season. I mean, he's, he basically has been right there. I mean, he's a, he's a 40 to 50 point guy. He's got 42 points on a low scoring team. I mean, yeah, he put up, he put up 60 in, in 2018, 19 uh, last year, but he was on a Detroit team where he was kind of the guy and there was nothing else there. So he got every opportunity. He got power play time. I mean, he had, he had uh, 10 and 15 power play points that year. So it's, I think there's there's definitely an opportunity for a guy like Nyquist. Might be a sneaky, you know, kind of a, a guy that we're not thinking about too much with the Blue Jackets, but somebody who could do a little bit of damage. I, I don't think that the Blue Jackets get swept in this series. Yeah, I know the last series we talked about, I, I did finally pick a sweep, but yeah, I, I'm with you. I don't think there's a sweep because I do think John Torts is too good of a coach to get swept, regardless of the lack of talent he may have up front. I just think he puts in a system that's good enough where I think, you know, if you do get, you know, a rusty Toronto team, maybe where they're just not, you know, maybe they're, I don't want to say underestimating Columbus, but maybe they're not taking them as serious as they should. So maybe one of those first two games they come out and they get beat. You know, I I don't see that out of the realm of possibilities. There's yeah. the there's the other side of it too, just on the coaching staff, right? You have Sheldon Keefe who hasn't been in an NHL playoff series, right. and then you have Torts who's you know won a cup. So, um, I think that certainly the the coaching uh, challenge is for Keefe is going to be outsmarting Tortorella because he he has proven. I mean, they beat the Tampa Bay Lightning last year, who is on fire going into the playoffs. Um, and he, he's just a, he's a smart coach. He knows how to use his players really well. Um, and on the Toronto side, 
I think Sheldon Keefe just has an amazing team. And while I think Sheldon Keefe has done some great things, like he, his team is just, he's starting with something great and Torts has to be a lot, a lot more smart. Yeah. The other thing with, with Keefe, something I think that can be good about this break is that, you know, he takes over in the middle of a regular season. You're just kind of thrust into the role. You don't have a, you don't have a lot of time to just sit back examine thing really watch a ton of film like he's been focused on his AHL team obviously he knows the players he knows quite a few players that are on the pro roster but he gets called up you're thrust into this role you you just kind of have to establish yourself some Gotta guys learn know how to fly. you yeah now you've get this break this is basically like especially for a coach this is like a full off season he gets to watch video he gets to like he's going to examine everything one thing for sure these this preliminary round series will have more video sessions than any series in the history of the league because all these teams they get two months three months maybe before they i mean you do not know your opponent that long in any sport (laughs) in any any competition outside of boxing so they can watch Literally every single regular season game, they've got time to watch them all. They they can see their tendencies. They can map a ton of things out. I think we're going to see quite a bit of video, like data, kind of mixing in to each other, and really being able to hone in on some inconsistencies in particular players' play and being able to expose their weaknesses. I think that that is going to be we're we're going to see things maybe that we've never seen before in the playoffs because of that ability. And I, I'm I'm looking forward to it because I think that that's like the geekiest part of it is, oh, let's find some some little tick that this guy does and expose it. And if you can do that and then later come out and say, well, yeah, we knew we knew that he, you know, on this last crossover that his his stick moved slightly at this angle and we were able we had the room to sneak a puck pass like there's going to be some things like that i think especially for the goaltenders man they are going to be over scrutinized uh which could be a good thing for the blue jackets could be yeah i mean let's just put cody cc on the bench right now then if you want to talk about a guy that's probably going to get eaten alive on video oh baby Uh, (laughs) i mean even even uh i think of jake muzzin i i haven't been super impressed with his play he's put up some goals for sure but uh, I think sometimes he makes me really nervous skating backwards uh, and getting turned around. So I think there's a couple. I mean, it's always a question mark with the Toronto Maple Leafs D. Um, so let me ask you this then. Who's going to be the one guy in this series, you know, for, for both teams who could be a potential X factor, a guy that regardless how much, you know, you that three months you get to study video that you can just come out and say, okay, no matter how much film we we've watched on this guy, he can still go out and make a difference regardless. You know, maybe we don't have enough film on him or maybe regardless the amount of film we have on him, he just is that good that he's just going to be able to, you know, make an impact where maybe other guys will be able to be shut down. I think about Mitch Marner. I think he's he's so creative. He's so quick. He's got those quick turnarounds. Uh, and, yeah, he's a difference maker. He, he surprises me uh most every night, especially in the playoffs last year, I think he had some some dry games this this regular season. But I I could definitely see that for Mitch Marner. Yeah, from a Columbus point of view, uh, 
I think you've got to think that Cam Atkinson is going to be much better than he was in the regular season. He's going to be healthy. I mean, this is a guy who scored 40 goals. So I, I, 40, did he score 40? Maybe he only scored 30. He For did. some reason, I'm thinking 40. No, but I think I, I agree with you. I think this is a guy, he like did. we talked 41. about it, the lack of 20 goal scorers Columbus had. He would have definitely been one had he been a little bit healthier during right. the season. Right, if he played, yeah, yeah. He basically played half games. But, I mean, even so, he still was only on pace for 24, whereas he had 41 goals the year before. Yeah, he had Panarin on the team. You know, that's that's uh, definitely a, a factor. But uh, I do think Cam Atkinson is a guy who's much more dangerous than what his 12 goals. You know, just you just run down the list. Oh, okay, he's got 12 goals. No big deal. Uh, also, you, you'd like to see uh, maybe Alexander Venberg pick it up. Me five goals in fifty-seven games uh, for a guy who is supposed to be much better. Thought that he could be a, a top-two center for this team. Uh, you know, he, he'd be somebody I'd, I'd probably keep my eye on. Then, of course, I mean, there's no bigger X factor than Seth Jones for the Columbus Blue Jackets. If if he is not Chris Pronger, two thousand and four for the Oilers, we'll go back to that. They won't win the series. All right, yeah. Uh, 2006, by the way, was it? You're right. Yeah. It was 2006. Um, <laughs> but for oh, me, I'm thinking of the Flames. I, okay, I, I there you go. It. You know, the Flames and the Oilers, they kind of went those yeah. two different years. That was a was, good series, though. Cal- uh, Calgary back in 04. My gosh, I do feel sorry for again. Anyways, uh, <laughs> <laughs> although I was happy uh, Tampa did win the Cup that year. But uh, Toronto, I look at a guy, um, you know, we've we've talked about him just, you know, a few times, but uh, Ilya Mikhaev. Who I think, you know, again, guy who doesn't have a lot of experience in the NHL, but he's shown that he has flashes of talent, that he could he can be dominant. He can fly. Yeah. So, you know, is Columbus gonna be able to keep up with him, know what he's gonna do? Uh, and then on the flip side, you know, we didn't talk a ton about it, but the goaltending for Columbus, right? That's gonna be an X factor for me big time because there was pressure on Bobrovsky to win because he had been you know, he hadn't been good in the playoffs so many times before when they actually had the opportunity to get him when they did make it. But now you got guys that have never seen the playoffs that they're wild cards because you don't know what you're going to get. Yeah. Uh, on the Leafs perspective, one guy who I think thought that he would be better. I, I've heard an interview with Alex Kerfoot talking about how he, he wanted to make more of an impact. I think his nine goals in 65 games. He's not a huge goal scorer anyways, uh, but I, I would look to him to provide a little more offense. Like I think he's going to come it, it your first year with the team. It's different, right? Like the, the Leafs are a different team than the Colorado avalanche and he's playing in a different spot than he was with the Colorado avalanche. So he gets this time to kind of figure himself out. It, it seems to me, at least in terms of what he's saying, he's saying all the right things. Uh, he may be a guy who exceeds some expectations and, uh, and then on the defensive side, Rasmus Sandin, he, he only got into 28 games. He was there in the in the beginning, in the preseason. Babcock, when he, you know, he was playing him a ton during the preseason to kind of expose him. He, he was there early on, and then they ended up sending him down to continue getting more ice time in the AHL because he was kind of playing that third-line pairing. He came back up in the end, and he played pretty well. And I think that he's going to be a big difference maker. Like, he's going to likely be in the Leafs' top four and if he is as good as advertised, that is a massive upgrade for the Leafs in compare. Like, like you said, Cody Cece, if you can, <laughs> him. If you can get him out of there um, and down where Cody Cece should be in the bottom pairing. He's a depth guy. Then I think that yeah. you're, you're in a much better position to, to, you know, be again, be able to move the puck up to your incredibly talented forwards that you have to get them the puck. Um, 
And then there's Nate Robertson, who I already talked about. Uh, a guy coming in from the OHL. He is going to give be given a chance to play if he can make this team. There is no NHL video on him, and that that could be an X factor. You might not have the same amount of uh, in the OHL. You might not have the same access, the best angles, or even all the games on video. So I, I think actually we're I'm sure we're to the point where all the games are on video in the OHL. But uh, I think but, it's actually uh, Nick Robertson. It's- did I say Nate? I said Nate. You said Nate. Nate yeah. is, yep, you're right. It's Nick Robertson. I'm the worst. <laughs> <laughs> I think actually there was a Steve Dangle video, and he said that Nate, Nick Robertson was a defenseman, and he talked all about how he was a defenseman. Stop it. <laughs> it was like a whole video on it, and then he <laughs> just got totally fried, and he had to come out like, <laughs> I'm sorry, I don't know why I said he was a defenseman. Uh, it was pretty funny, but anyways, that's uh, those are my... X factors in these series. I mean, the X factor is Austin Matthews, Mitch Marner. Yeah, Josh, yeah I think know. that's the obvious one for sure. And and real, I, we haven't talked about him at all. Somehow, uh, probably the the other, you know, there, there's Wierenski and Jones, and we're obviously they're two incredibly talented defensemen. Morgan Riley is pretty darn good. I mean, he's a guy who last year was a Norris candidate. Should have been. I mean, he should have been top three. He was I think fourth or fifth in Norris voting. 27 points in 47 games. He was hurt. He had a really weird season. I, w- I mean, he is, when he is on, I mean, he's a guy, he had 75 points, 72 or something. Like that. So he had, in the seven. Yeah, 72. Yeah. I mean, that is a, from 27 points, 72 to 27. I mean, if he can come in and play all these games, stay healthy and play the way he played the year before, that power play becomes even more dangerous than it was at 23%, all of a sudden you're looking at a 30% power play if he's on his game and and picking up big points. Uh, so to me, he he may be actually the, in terms of defense, if you get a good, healthy Morgan Riley, that changes the game. I mean, that you've got so many superstars up front, and if you have that true superstar from the defensive side, you know, sky's the limit for this team. Well, there's no doubt, I think. We know what we're getting out of Morgan Ryland. I think maybe that's why we, we didn't really talk about him that much because there's there's nothing to worry about. He's going to be a guy like Seth Jones, I think, where, well, well, you know, obviously there's not as much depth on defense, you know, behind him that Seth Jones has as maybe Morgan Riley, you know, wishes he had. But, you know, Morgan Riley's going to go out there and play 27, 30 minutes a night, much like Seth Jones. But I think the difference is, you know, Morgan Riley's safe. You know, he's going to provide the offense. He's going to play the defense. Same with Seth Jones. So you can wash those guys out. The question to me is going to be, you know, who else shows up on Toronto's blue line at that point? Is it Jake Muzzin? I think so. I think, well, I think Tyson Berry is going to show up uh, below the red line uh, as a as an offensive <laughs> defenseman. But um, but I think him as well. Uh, now back to Morgan Riley. I, I still can't get over McDavid just breaking his ankles. That uh, <laughs> always cracks me up every time I watch that. I think that that brought him some humility and uh, <laughs> so sly. Just that move was so sly. It was beautiful. Oh yeah, I mean, it it wouldn't have mattered if it was Nick Lindstrom on the ice. Nobody would complain about the defenseman right, that got yeah. burned. No, absolutely <laughs> so. not. Let's be honest though, Nick Lindstrom, it would have never happened. That's though. true. <laughs> he would have known what he was going to do when, when Morgan Riley was. Uh, I think after the tenth game, he was out this past season. My friend texted me an article about it, and he said, "Yeah, I think he's still hurt, or his pride's still hurting from that McDavid move." <laughs> Listen, right. Logan Couture right. is still complaining about breaking his ankles with Pavel Dadzuk, so <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna go on forever. And I, I always wish I would love to see like 
you know, again, we talked about his name, but Chris Pronger, right? I would love to see guys in their heyday like Chris Pronger and Connor McDavid trying to make that move. Would have Chris Pronger just ran him over at that point and wouldn't have even happened. So that would have been just interesting to see. But I, I love, I don't care how good of a defenseman you are. It's just sometimes so difficult to stop a guy like that. So, But you can always, if you're ever feeling bad about yourself, in life, even in just in life, you can always go and and Google the uh, or YouTube the video of Patrick Stefan on oh, the good. empty net <laughs> the, between the Dallas Stars and the Edmonton Oilers. And you can watch him come in on a gaping, wide-open net and fan on the puck. <laughs> Have the puck <laughs> dribble into the corner, be taken by an Oilers defenseman, sent up the ice to, uh, I believe it was Ryan, Ryan Smith. Smith and have them go in and tie the game with one second left. And the thing that, I think I've said it on the show before, the thing that people don't know, though, about that, as embarrassing as it was, and, of course, Ray Ferraro saying, uh, like, I've been in the game for 20 years, and you were a disgrace. (laughs) (laughs) Just ripping the guy. This is a disgrace. The Dallas Stars do end up winning that game. They do. In overtime. So uh, Nobody cares about that. No, 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 no. And and that, that basically defined... Patrick Steffens. Yeah, I'm a career. number one pick, and this is what happens. Yep. Great. Yep. Uh, at least he's, uh, you know, there, there's been worse number one picks, but not many. Yeah, thanks, Neil Yakupov. <laughs> <laughs> Nail and Alexander Dake. Ugh. All right, boys, I think the time has come. I need your predictions All for right, this I'm gonna, series. I'm going to let our guests go first here. I'm going to go with uh, Toronto in four. All right, so the Blue Jackets will take one game. Yeah, I'm with Lucius on this one. Toronto and four. I am going with the quick destruction of the Blue Jackets, and I am saying the Maple Leafs in three. I the think first this, sweep. You this yeah. will be the only sweep of the preliminary 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 round. Yes, this will be the. I think this is the this is the one series where I I did say I don't know if it'll be a sweep. But I think this is the series where it could be a sweep. If if the Leafs come out, their offense is clicking, and the Blue Jackets just don't have the time to to kind of figure out their life. Uh, if they have to get into a shootout with the Leafs, it's it's all over. It's weird thinking about predictions in a best of five versus the best of seven. I had to go through that in my brain before I answered there. Yeah, yeah. I think these are the series they can get away from you real quick. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. Like yep. you go down two nothing, and it's it's. It's very dangerous. It's gonna be. It's gonna be tough. But uh, yeah, that's uh, all right. There's your. There's your predictions. I think we. We all have the Leafs. I think most people are probably gonna have the Leafs. Although there'll be the uh, the odd person who says, "Oh, they beat the Lightning, so they can beat the Leafs. The Leafs can't win." That that'll be the thing. Uh, yeah. Any any final thoughts, Air Boys, before we uh, get out of here? Uh, thanks for coming, Lucius. Glad to see you. Yeah, thanks for yeah. having me. It's uh, it's been fun. I'm excited to do this some more. I'm excited yeah. to see your show get off the ground and go on. I mean, I can't wait to listen to some more Leafs talk. And your show, what show? Overtime <laughs> Wings <laughs> Talk. So yeah, we we've got some fun things coming out. Uh, you stay tuned. We'll be announcing things on Twitter and and as the uh, as time goes along on our show. So uh, stay tuned for some team specific overtime hockey. Like new new podcast coming out of this one, so it's the spinoff. So uh, stay tuned for that. You can find us on Twitter at OT Hockey Talk, and uh, let us know what you thought of our predictions. If you think the Blue Jackets are going to 
uh, come out of the gate and surprise everybody and sweep the Maple Leafs. Let us know if you think that is what's going to happen. And uh, until then, we will talk to you very soon. Enjoy the rest of your day. Enjoy the summer. And uh, can't wait for hockey to start. <laughs>